Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Eater's Digest, a show about all things food and dining. I'm Amanda Clute, editor-in-chief of Eater. My name is Daniel Janine. I am a producer at Eater. And, uh, yeah, Amanda, welcome back to uh, Eater's Digest. You know, Thanks for sh- having me back, Daniel. Yeah, the show where we cover what's big and exciting to us in the food world. Uh, we've taken a few weeks off, you know. We got a lot of stories to discuss, a lot to catch up on. Uh, what are we talking about? What are the what, any any highlights, or should we just roll in? Give a tease. Okay, I think we're going to talk about what's going on with all the loans for restaurants right now and the recovery. We're going to talk a little bit about that's kind of like masks. the vegetables of the show, though. I would got to you got like to do it. You got to do it. You yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about masks and vaccinations. And all how right, restaurants more are handling more it. Exciting. I want I want to talk a little bit about Oatly. Oatly. I don't know. I don't know if you want to talk about Oatly, but I want to talk about Oatly. What What else you want to talk about? I always want to talk about Oatly. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm. I want to give a little shout out to Guy Fieri. So stay cool. tuned for that. And I would like to talk about the state of uh, vac- vaccination incentivization. Okay, great. You know? All right, let's get to all of it. Let's do all right, it. What do, what do you got first? Should we Should we hit your update on aid? Let's hit the vegetables first. <laughs> so update on aid. So. Um, uh, three big funds I want to just give some quick updates on. PPP, Paycheck Protection Program Loans. That's the one that's been going on for a year. Uh, it's given out over $788 billion to small businesses across the country. Uh, it is now officially out of money. It is done. It is the end of PPP. So good to know. The second one is the Restaurant Revitalization Fund. That's the one we talked to Senator Chuck Schumer about on this show. Uh, It had $28.6 billion in funding for restaurants to cover basically their entire losses, uh, up to $10 million uh, for the year of 2020. And that is completely overextended. People have requested over $76 billion, which is more than double almost triple what the fund has in it. Uh, So we have to wait and see if, as Schumer promised, it will be Mm re-upped or if a lot of people are just, you know, shit out of luck. So I don't know if you'll know this, but are they, how are they treating it, right? Like, is this, are they, are they filling these uh, in order of when they came in or if in a world where they don't get additional money will they just give everyone half of what they've requested or well no they're prioritizing disadvantaged groups so women veterans economically disadvantaged individuals so if and i think the people in those groups already requested over the 28.6 billion so if you are not in one of the groups you might not get anything um the Small Business Administration has said they're going to have to make some hard decisions here. I think a lot of people have their fingers crossed that the fund will be re-upped. Democrats have said they're going to work on it. Republicans have said there's no chance. So, you know, kind of up in the air at this moment. 
okay. Is when we're talking about disadvantaged groups, are there groups that are disadvantaged and groups that are not disadvantaged, or are we talking about a spectrum of advantage, maximum advantage to maximum disadvantage? I think you have to fit within a group. Okay. You're not, it's not like, oh, well, you're a little, you're like half. Right. You know? But right. So they're not sitting in a room being like, this one's a little worse than <laughs> this one. No, no. I think you either are in the box or you're not in the box. Well, he said he was going to re-up it, right? I the mean, problem, I, I, I trust the guy. However, I don't, it doesn't, it's not looking super good. But you know yeah. what? Here's, here's the related thing is there is, um, also a fund for shuttered venues, mm-hmm. music venues. It was had a really rocky start, but I don't know if that fund is going to run out or not yet. Maybe they can just take some of that money, give it to the restaurants if there's extra. Who knows? There's a lot of money flying around these days. Maybe they can find some. The problem is the initial announcement of the fund is so much more exciting than the re-up, right? So I think the re-up about- would be very exciting for all these people. Absolutely for the people, but I just don't know if it gets as much... I don't know if it gets as much buzz as the initial announcement. What does buzz matter? Well, I think politicians want buzz in order to get make things happen. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, I can say with 100% confidence and certainty that I really hope that this the money goes through. Me too. You know, because when we're talking, I don't know. I mean, all things are all things are really lining up for the Roaring Twenties here, and uh, this money this money is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, we got to get it. Um, In other news, you know how I just mentioned that there were prioritized groups. Of course. People are filing lawsuits about that. So there is this legal group, which is funded by um, Stephen Miller of, of Trump administration fame. And they are backing a lawsuit claiming the prioritization is discriminatory against uh, this white male business owner. A judge recently ruled against them. However, I could see more of these lawsuits popping up. Uh Kind of along the same lines, there have been there's been some controversy around uh, debt relief for black farmers that is given out by the USDA. Right. But all of this is kind of predictable. Right. Do you have any what do you think about about this kind of controversy? Well, I'm hoping that the money goes through sooner rather than later. So these lawsuits lawsuits don't really have a chance to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that judges are turning them down as of now. But the yeah. thing with the USDA stuff, it's it's the banks that are balking at giving the money to the black farmers. There's also an article that was interesting about how in the farming community, a lot of these black farmers are getting uh, shit from their white farmer neighbors. And that it's a very awkward time right now because they're getting support and these other farmers are not, um, you know. It's complicated. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, these things are all very murky. I can understand the controversy uh, both ways. I, I could see the judges going the other direction. Um, you know, like uh, I hope that this is one of those controversies that the money just, as you said, just flows in and washes away the problems. Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, what else you got? What else is happening in the news? All right, let's segue into talking a little bit about how restaurants are treating vaccines and mask wearing now that vaccines are more widely available. Uh, this mm-hmm. week, Nick Kokonis, owner of Alinea and Next and other restaurants in the Chicago area, announced that uh, he is going to give a lapel pin to employees who 
are vaccinated, and those employees do not have to wear masks per CDC guidelines, and guests can identify them via the PIN, but he's not requiring vaccines of his employees. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. His original, I, I looked on his tweet thread, and someone asked him if he would rather that the the state just required vaccines, and he said that was murky; it wasn't going to happen. But he, that's how he would like it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be wild in that restaurant. The problem, I don't know. You're going to see. I wonder if anyone there won't have the pin. You know what I mean? Oh, right? if, like, you're, if you're like, no, no pin for me, bro. Do you think if someone doesn't have the pin, they'll go over to the table like. If they just forgot at home, be like, oh, just so you know, I forgot my pin today. Right. Like I am vaccinated, <laughs> but I, you know, I took it Don't off worry. last night. I was dry cleaning my my Alinea blazer and I just I was on my it's on my nightstand. <laughs> but, you know, I could get my wife to send you a picture of it. You know, it, it is there. Right. Um, it is funny, though, to me that it's about the the diner's experience. Right. It's all about like, OK, the diner can now pick out who's safe and quote unquote safe and who's not safe. In um, this, in this specific in this instance, specific, yeah, 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 in this specific instance, but you don't have to be vaccinated to dine there. However, I just got a uh, press release. He's not giving pins to the diners too. Well, I just got a press release about Gabriel Stuhlman's restaurant mm-hmm. Jolene, which is a restaurant in New York City, and you have to show proof of vaccination in order to dine indoors. Right, and the no one has to wear masks. Right. Because everyone inside that restaurant will be vaccinated. Masks are completely optional. Yeah. There's a bar in the in the East Village that my friends went to last weekend. Uh, and in order to get in, it was fully operating, fully dancing, f- fully vibing. And in order to get in, you had to show your uh, vaccine passport and you had to be three weeks away from your second shot. Um, they weren't even letting in Johnson Johnson people. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but. It, which is, you know, a week extra after the CDC recommended two weeks. So uh-huh, I like uh-huh, that this uh-huh. I like that this bar is, you know, being like, we're going to be seven days safer here. And then you come in and make it with whoever you want. It's also funny because there's so many parts of the country where everyone is just mask free anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and has been. But I, I like this idea of I like the Gabe Stulman idea in New York because New York has been so careful and regimented Mm -hmm. and so the idea of going into a place where it's you know everyone is vaccinated and it's completely mask free and even the servers aren't don't wear masks it's just like oh my god i can't even imagine what that's like. i've started to notice a lot of restaurants in new york just i mean not i mean some employees are not wearing them i've even gone into some some convenience stores like if i look into a convenience store Mm -hmm. and they're not wearing their masks i'll slide right in you know that's a that's a a pro for you hey hold please I'm not saying I'm choosing convenience stores based on them not wearing masks. Oh, that's what it implies. I'm saying if, <laughs> right, I'm saying if I'm intending to go in anyway and I see that the, the you know, whoever's working there is not, the people working there are not wearing masks, uh, you know, I'm not as quick to throw mine on. Relatedly, kind mm-hmm. of, New Orleans is now basically back to normal-ish, hmm. which seemed big to me. They announced that they are, dropping all their restrictions on alcohol sales. So they had last call around 1 a.m. Uh, up until now. And now you can once again drink 24-7, buy drinks 24-7 in the city of New Orleans, which I think is a big um, threshold we just crossed. Wow. I'm going there soon. Oh, yeah, you are going there soon. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I mean, July in New Orleans is does not sound super Brutal. fun, but um, yeah. 
I would go just to just to go. If you want to, you know, invite me, I'm I'm cool. <laughs> Whatever, I'm I'm free. Okay, so cool, New Orleans. So a lot of the southern cities are really really back to normal. California announced that they are dropping all social distancing limits in their restaurants on June fifteenth. Hmm. So it's happening. Who are the last holdouts? Like who who is shaping up? What state is shaping up to be the the slowest? Oregon announced that they would remove its risk evaluation framework once 70% of Oregon adults get their first vaccine, hmm. which to me seems like a fairly high threshold, relatively yeah, speaking. Yeah, that's pretty tight. Like, I think now, I don't know, I've seen a lot of places pass the 50% threshold for fully vaccinated. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take them to get to 70%, unless maybe they're going to add one of those lotteries. What are the lotteries? Well, you know how Ohio and Colorado have these lotteries. So if you are vaccinated, you have a chance to win a million dollars. No, I didn't even know. Yes. This. Yeah. And it's actually working. Allegedly. Really? Yeah. There was a story today about how people were just lining up to get their vaccines in all these Ohio health clinics and they gave out their first million dollar prize uh, this week. That's so awesome. I hope that that's more effective than the annoying ads on on terrestrial radio. Yeah. I mean, money works. The markets. The markets. You love the markets. Free um, market Amanda. You know what? That's what we always call you. <laughs> That's what they always say. Yeah. A couple a couple other of these incentive programs. Uh, Chef Jose Andres offering $50 gift cards off to vaccinated customers of his um, DC restaurants. That's a lot. Yeah. That's money. Yeah, that's, that's, that's money, cash, as that's you would cash say. That's cash money. Oh, free French fries at every NYC oh, Shake yeah. Shack for the next mm-hmm. month if you show your Vax card. Um, I think New Jersey is giving away free beer. Free beer. We mentioned the strip club last oh, yeah. time. Oh, right. We mentioned that. Free dance. Just kidding. Um, it's not a free dance. What it, What was it again? You can get the vaccine at the strip club. Should we move on to Oatly having an amazing oh, IPO? Let's talk about Oatly. I like the Oatly story because I feel like intrinsically it's something that interests you um, because it's an alternative milk. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to me because I think it's kind of a fun business story. Okay. What's so, the story? Okay. So Oatly, it's an oat milk. I had thought it was kind of this anti-establishment, hipster, hippie, upstart kind of company. Mm-hmm. And I was completely wrong. Uh, now that I've read about it, it's first of all, it's a 25-year-old company. It's a Swedish company. But they have been majority owned by private equity since 2016. That's when they started exploding. That's when they started coming to the U.S. and all over Europe. So um, there is this Belgian-backed investment company called Verlinvest and a Chinese conglomerate called China Resources. And together, they control 47.6% of the stock. Blackstone, another very famous um, private equity group, owns 8% of the stock. So their branding is very, you know, twee and cute and, and seems like this, I don't know. Well, they fooled you. <laughs> they fooled me. They fooled me. They fooled me. Yeah. Um, so they have all this funding behind them. They went public this month uh, and the stock went nuts. They're now worth $12.5 billion as of today, Thursday. Right. Um, they plan on spending over $1 billion over the next three years to increase their capacity and to fuel their growth. I think the most important element of this story is I think what fooled you is the thinking oat milk, weird kind of new upstart, but it's just like, we're so damn predictable. 
you know? Yeah, we are. Blackstone Blackstone knew what we were doing in, in 2016. They're yeah. like, 2020 is going to be the year of oat milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they knew. Or, I mean, they have a lot of bets out. I, I would like to know what food they're invested in that just flopped. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it shows you the value of having that ridiculous wild branding. I'm, I'm done with oat milk. I'm done with Oatly. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. tell me. Well, I think that there's a pretty strong correlation between how good oat milk tastes and how much canola oil they use as emulsifier in it. Okay. Oatly's delicious. It's basically oil milk. Okay. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's oat milk as the, as the glue for a wonderful canola oil dose. And, uh, which is fine, you know, that's fine sometimes, but I, I think that they've, they've gone off as a healthy alternative for long enough. And it ends now on Eater's Digest. That is a opulent, that is an opulent treat. Right. You specifically thought of it as a healthy choice, but, but a lot of, I think they sell themselves probably as a healthy alternative, obviously, but also as a green alternative to milk. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's fair. Yeah. That's that's their big um, selling point. And I'm totally okay with that. I just would rather see them in the vein of Impossible Burger as something that's not trying to be healthier, but just like, here's better for the planet, you know? Right, right, right. Okay. No. Um, and how but, do you think they'll do as a business? I mean, I don't know. They've, they've clearly just destroyed the oat milk market, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't know how good their ice cream is. I mean, it, I guess it depends how, how much they can build out, but if they really lock in most of the major fast food brands as, because it's the superior, it's the best substitute by infinite. Right. But, you know, you know a lot of the big brands are entering the market soon. So like Nestle can come up with one or Unilever could come up with one. I know. but And could they crush them or do you think they have enough brand awareness? Well, I think, I mean, at 18 billion, they're, they're, already, they're already a major player. I, I think a lot of people are excited to go into Starbucks and see Oatly. Yeah. The name Oatly. Um, I think that, you know, all these companies could do it. But how good is how good is what Nestle could come up with? And how much money would they have to put in yeah. for me to be as excited about it as the as brand I would you already be. know? Exactly. I mean, a, sh- a a lot, right? And so maybe, but I I think Oatly's probably a, a fixture in this world. Yeah, I think it's also interesting there um, that one of their big backers is a Chinese conglomerate um, because there's so much room for growth there. Uh, I was mm-hmm. reading about, I was doing some research for this and learned that Asia accounted for 18% of the sales in their first quarter of 2021. And it's growing at a rate of 450% a year. So in, in Asia, in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. So that's completely untapped. Yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity there. So I think people could come away from the segment. And when you see Oatly in the store, don't think farmer's market, think, think Costco. Yes. Think but there's Think nothing wrong Black with that. Black Rock and very wealthy Chinese and <laughs> Belgian uh, backers and families and think good for the earth, not good for your body necessarily. That I don't like to comment on health. Butter. Okay. Uh, actually, speaking of Impossible, I have an interesting kind of story for uh-huh. you about Impossible. Uh, they Impossible, I should say Impossible a few more times. Impossible Burger just received their child nutrition label from the USDA which makes it easier for public schools to serve the product because the Impossible Burgers will be eligible for national lunch funding. This is a story from The Verge. What I found interesting about this was 
Marlene Schwartz, who is the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at the University of Connecticut, said, uh, has been pushing, saying that just on principle, we believe that schools should be commercial free. Companies should keep their branding out of the public school system. Mm -hmm. Which is just something that I hadn't really considered, right? Like when you're getting a school lunch, I mean, you'll see the branding on like apple juice and stuff like that. But if you're getting a burger, it's not like a Tyson burger or, uh, you know, whatever. But I think for some, I think these people are skeptical or, or, you know, maybe rightly worried about what it means for kids to associate impossible with like what the school is giving them, et cetera. You know, like it make it very much is a school endorsement of impossible. And impossible will not be taking their name out of it. They're adamant. That's the question. About, so that's what she's pushing for. Oh. The question is, what is it? If it is not an impossible burger, what is it? Are they just, because is they it a meatless pl- burger? Yeah, meatless or plant-based or whatever. Um, and it may be, would it be school district by school district? Like some will be pushovers and be like, sure, put your branding all over. And some will say like, absolutely not. You have to say this is the plant-based burger and you just happen to be our supplier. Seems to me like it's actually school by school. Oh, wow. Uh, that every, every, like they, they don't have to say anything. They don't Mm -hmm. have to give, they have to give the ingredients I'm guessing, but they don't have to say that this is the impossible burger. Reading into it, it seems like, um, in gauging reaction, people are more excited about it being the impossible burger. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing is if you're, uh, especially if you're old enough and you know, like if you're a teenager, you might be more inclined to try the impossible option at school versus, you know, whatever your school cafeteria plant-based thing could be, because who knows? Like, maybe they trust it more, knowing the brand. Yeah. So it's almost the opposite. But that, I think that is a really good point. I also think that, think that school kids get more branded foodstuffs than people would imagine or like, you know, because they, right. they get all kinds of snacks and stuff during the day. Definitely. And a lot of the, you know, carrot packs and all these... It does feel different when it is the central protein, right? But you know what? Good good for Impossible. Good for their business. Like getting into, I think that's a key for a lot of these people is getting into school systems, getting into hospitals, getting into those big mm-hmm. networks. Absolutely. Uh, there was yeah, an interesting quote at the end of the article. Um, essentially, they're drumming up. They're saying like, we don't know if these things are healthy enough. We don't want to associate blah, blah. And then Pat Brown, who is the CEO of Impossible, the, the founder, said something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, but like schools, exactly what you're saying, schools and hospitals, whatever, are, are an important part in, in, in our vision to make the planet, to, mm-hmm. to save the planet, right? So right. he's like, he's not even interested in the branding question, the health in question, health question, whatever. He's just like, yeah, we're trying to save the planet here, bro. Yeah, like let's not pretend that burgers are healthy, but kids eat burgers in school. So if you're going right. to eat a burger, if you're going to serve a burger, serve this burger that's better for the planet. Right. Absolutely. Interesting. Uh, kind of interesting, right? Yeah. It's just an area of controversy that I was not yet aware. Always a new one. <laughs> Should I segue into Guy Fieri? Yeah. What's what's Guy What's Guy up to? So Guy Fieri just launched this initiative that I wanted to highlight because I got to talk to him a little bit about it last week. He is. How was he? Was he cool? He was cool. You know, it was cool. He had a German Shepherd roaming around in the background, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I love. I love seeing what's in everyone's Zoom backgrounds. 
Um, <laughs> you he got a lot of press last year for raising like twenty five million dollars for restaurant workers. Um, there was this great, actually, a great profile in the Hollywood Reporter about it. How he when the the coronavirus first struck, he emailed. He got together the emails of every CEO he could f- get, and asked everyone for money to give mm-hmm. to restaurant workers. And in the profile, he says, "Listen, I'm not gonna name names and who gave money and who didn't, but Jeff Bezos did not give any money." <laughs> <laughs> I just love yeah. that. I love him um, throwing shade on Jeff Bezos, who famously is not as philanthropic as he should be given his wealth. Anyway, so he famously raised, according to meditation and spiritual world, there is no should. But go on. Okay, so he raised a lot of money for restaurant workers. Ah. Uh, and now he wants to do something else. He doesn't feel like he can do another big fundraise or telethon. So he's putting on this streaming event where it's uh, a celebration and inspiration event yeah. for restaurants. So he's going to give away $300,000 to restaurateurs via grants. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting some celebs like Shaq and Gronkowski, you know, <laughs> f- football player. I don't even know his first name. I'm not going to look it up. Uh, to create dishes at restaurants, and you can order them over Grubhub. He's gonna have. Do you know com- Shaq's last name? Go on, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. And then he's gonna have restaurateurs do roundtables like Jose Andres and Cat Cora talk about what's going on in the industry. Uh, and that's that's the thing. He's streaming it all over. I thought it's it's you know kind of cool, kind of cool to mention. There's a hilarious alphabet soup of sponsors who are covering the costs of the thing. Um, so all of the segments have these hilarious <laughs> brand names that I just I just have to read them too because I feel like yeah, you would because it wouldn't it. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Eater unless we we I mean we gotta commented we, on the brands I guess we gotta be we gotta be real about it but Hold no on. matter what we should quickly say that like guy, guy seems to be in general a good a strong positive force in the world and I uh, think he's absolutely a positive force in the world and. Um, Lord knows I've had enough nights of anxiety where Triple D has calmed me down. Oh, for sure. I mean, that alone. Uh, okay. Behind the counter conversations presented by Spot On. Off the hook celebrity creations presented by Pepsi. Superstar music performance. Oh, no. Superstar musical performances is just straight up. Uh, Couldn't remem- get a sponsor. Remembering Roots presented by Lending Tree. Hashtag better with Pepsi live from the Pepsi backyard. Unlimited connections presented by AT&T Business. Wash it up presented by Dawn and Cascade. We serve restaurants presented by Grubhub. Ready, set, eat presented by Gardein, Birdseye, and Duncan Hines. Twisted teammates presented by Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea. Cookie Doo presented by Thermomix. So it's funny to make fun of how branded it is, but also look at all these sponsors he got together to cover the cost of this thing. It melts my cynical heart, Daniel. Better connection. The, I mean, my only issue is I have no idea what any of these segments are. Like you don't know what cookie do presented by Thermomix is? <laughs> that one I feel like I have a really good sense of. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's move on to uh, another interesting little internal battle in Subway Sandwiches. This is something else that I didn't really know about. Uh-huh. Are you ready to learn? Always. Okay, so I'm Presented sure- by LendingTree. <laughs> so I'm sure you actually know about this, but um, Subway uh, launched a new, I don't know, upgrade for their sandwiches and just like a grilled cheese thing called Fresh Melts, where for a dollar you can add an ungodly amount of cheese um, to your sandwich and they will melt it and crisp it up Okay. or just get a fresh melt, which I guess is a grilled cheese product. Um, But the North American Association of Subway Franchisees, AKA the NAASF, but I'm sure you knew that. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course. Yeah. Has issued a warning to all their franchisees and condemn the sandwich, calling it unsafe, saying that it is a high risk mm. sandwich to the uh, the employee who is making it, and also not the toasters that Subway provides as part of the franchise pack are not adequately equipped to deal with the melting, and it and it and it is rough. It's rough. It's tough sledding um, for the toaster. I guess you know. It's pretty simple, Has silly Subway story. Has Subway not offered these kinds of sandwiches before? Hot sandwiches? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's just Is like... Is it just the cheese? It's the cheese level, you think? Yeah, it's the fresh that melts. makes it dangerous. Yeah, I th- right. I, I think it's like three slices of, of cheese or something. Uh, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's, it's a novelty at the end of the day. But um, what I find interesting about this is the clash... Um, between Subway and the, I guess, like Subway franchisee union, essentially. Yeah. I didn't know that, right? Like, so Subway puts out a bunch of ads saying, hey, this new exciting thing. And then it puts a lot of pressure on the on the stores to do it. This happens all the time. Yeah. I think there's so a lot just... of internal conflict between franchisees and the giant conglomerates. Right. Uh, I think McDonald's... There was there were always internal fights about the all day breakfast thing. Mm-hmm. Like the the corporate will decide to do something, and then the franchisees have to actually do it. And for some of them, it, it, it's not worth worth it. It's wild that the the corporate's just out there gunslinging, throwing slices <laughs> on sandwiches, and they didn't do enough testing. You know. Well, sometimes when you're in management, you just have to make decisions and go with it. <laughs> Free market, Amanda, back back on the show. <laughs> So anyway, I suppose keep an eye on that. I really want to see. I really want to see a picture of this thing to see how dangerous it is. I mean, it's not like a lot. This is kind of like that Starbucks um, story from the other week about the app allows people to pretty seamlessly order all these crazy drinks, all these crazy add-ons. I love this story. And then the employees are so annoyed because over the last year they've had to make so many more of these insane drinks. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I think because of, 
I think one of the barriers stopping a lot of these like TikTok influencers from ordering these ridiculous, you know, 20 customization drinks is that it's embarrassing and to actually face a person and say the order out loud and say it. Yeah. Three pumps of this caramel, sour cream, whatever is that. Yeah. You know, we're all human and you got to know on some level that you're being insane, but being able to hide behind the app and click all these buttons has led to, you know, a, a huge amount of extra work for the employees. I think I read on this, that article that you're talking about that, like there was something, I don't remember what it's called, like the, the Jack Reacher drink or something, but it's like <laughs> a white mocha with, with cheese foam and caramel. And it's like 18 customizations. And this, Ugh. according to this article, it was for a period of time, it was one in five orders. Oh my God. I, this also in this article, which I think you knew this, but did you know that last summer ice drinks surpassed hot drinks at Subway? At Starbucks? At Star uh, yeah, at Starbucks. Uh, I didn't know that until I read the article. Um, the article's on BuzzFeed by Katie Nautopoulos. Not that, sorry. I, I'll blame that accent on my Canadianisms. Uh, but just crazy the amount. Seven, like here's the caramel crunch frap. Let me let me just read you the modifications on this on this what they this appuccino that they call it. Um, all right, this is one that went viral a few months ago. Uh, venti caramel crunch frap. Five banana, X caramel drizzle, extra whip, extra ice, extra cinnamon dollop top, seven pumps, add caramel, extra caramel crunch, one pump honey blend, extra salted, BM, BTR, five pumps, frap, something coffee, seven, add frap chips, heavy cream, double blended. But it still is wild to me that Starbucks is now like the Instagram tiktok coffee hub of the world and not this thing which intended to i mean and not what it really is is like this very important step in the shifting of our coffee culture in america mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. a wasteland of silly things of silly things silly drinks yeah of, of milkshakes coffee milkshakes but it changed food in america you know yeah yeah i agree but i guess that happens all the time you live long you you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain you know exactly daniel that is the lesson of starbucks um did you see i, I don't want to be too new york dominant but did you see the story this week about how new yorkers are of how many parking spots outdoor dining took over during this pandemic and how New Yorkers are upset about it or certain New Yorkers. Are. I received that message from a lot of my friends who are very pro, um, who are very anti-car and they yeah. were accusing the article of having, of being a little too objective and being a little too like, sounds like it was written by someone who loves cars. <laughs> <laughs> a little both sidesism when it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. It was a little too both sidesism. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the New York Post published a report revealing that 8,550 New York City parking spots have been monopolized by roadside outdoor dining sheds during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is only 0.3% of the city's total 3 million parking spaces. So there was... Um, That's wild because I feel like every parking space is gone now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you drive? No, but I just feel like I, I, I'm glad I don't, right? Like I, you know... Where no. I, I walk around now, I'm just like, everything Point. is outdoor dining. There are no more Point. parking spaces. 0.3% is pretty, pretty 
pretty low. But that's just a great bubble reminder because if you had asked me what percentage of parking spaces, maybe just in Manhattan, I would say, you know, that were gone, I would have been like seven. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that there was a, a tweet from the mayor's office when someone was promoting this article and he was like, yeah, I mean, saving the restaurant industry would be a bargain at any price, but can't really lose much sleep over 8,550 parking spots, which I think he's right. I think he's right. Take the streets back from the cars. They should charge for parking spaces. This should not be a free amenity to just give away to all Mm -hmm. autos. They should give it to the restaurants, give it to the pedestrians. Right, right. I guess the thing Uh, is more about street, about like traffic, right? It's more about if not so much parking, but will cars be able to move around these streets? Like there are so many streets now that are, that are closed off or like have become one lane. Yeah, yeah, And I think that's also a good thing. Um, I was talking to a restaurateur in the middle of winter. He had really built out his sidewalk shed and he was probably in like, <laughs> I don't know, three to four parking spots. And he was like, this investment will pay off if we're allowed to do this for another full year. And the community really supports me now and really loves it. But I'm really worried about what happens when they want their parking spots back when all this, when the pandemic kind of eases in the summertime. And so he was predicting that this would be the crunch time for communities versus restaurants or for car drivers versus restaurants. It's an interesting political story, right? Because it's the the community board versus public opinion. Because public opinion is going to be very much on the side of the restaurants. But the community board... General, general public opinion. But it's like who's, yeah, the community board's... But the Community actual members things with a little bit of vocal. political weight, right? Yeah. Well, it'll be really interesting. I uh, obviously, I mean, more restaurant space the better. I love it. Another thing that's interesting this month, Pete Wells had a really great column about how, basically, about how restaurants are about so much more than the food. Like people didn't just miss restaurants; they missed everything that comes with restaurants. And he gave an anecdote about running into someone on the street and having this like you know, very brief exchange with an acquaintance. And that wasn't happening over the past year. And I feel like that, I just really thought that was right on. Well, there was, he was talking too about the, about the animosity on both sides, right? Where kind of trying to justify it, this, this whole like anger about people thinking restaurants should be open, people shouldn't dine out. And like, essentially what is, was he trying to, you know, create a little olive branch between these two sides and say, how could uh, you, how could you not, uh, how, or like, you must understand that there is a reason this country kind of runs on restaurants and like they are a part of life. Yeah. 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 I think that was, that was definitely part of it. I just liked that. Um, it was a recognition of how much bigger restaurants are and how important they are to the ecosystem and to the social fabric. And even, I've realized that over the last month because, you know, I've been going out this whole time as you have, and I've been going out with my parka in the winter and all that. And so I feel like, oh, I've been experiencing restaurants. I'm, I'm fine. But actually I was experiencing a kind of damped down version of restaurants because I was with the same person or the same three people. I never ran into anybody. I wasn't inside and I wasn't, like a lot of times you're stuck inside some cabana. You don't see anybody. So like, yes, you're experiencing food that someone else is cooking. You're not having to clean up after yourself, but you're not experiencing that broader 
sense of a restaurant and what that can bring and all these like casual interactions. And I feel like that is really important. Does that right. make sense? So what's the moral of the story? Like, thank God everyone's back out again and we can run into people on, out at restaurants. Yeah. Even people you don't want to run into? Even people you don't want to run into. Oh, I can't believe she's here. I know. I was invited to a cocktail party and Brag. a year ago I, I wouldn't have... No big deal. I was invited to a cocktail party. I don't know if you've been invited yet to a cocktail party. I don't know if I've ever been invited to a cocktail party. And I remember at the beginning of this thinking, I'm not going to miss... A single cocktail party. I'm not going to miss those kinds of things, like work-related drinks things. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And now I'm just so friggin' excited because I get to see people that I haven't seen. You're just like yelling from the other room, the sales team wants me to go on a call. (laughs) Yes basically all right daniel uh that is the end of our show today a little quick fun overview some you know yeah we'll catch up a little catch up (laughs) yeah lovely as always to spend some time with you see you again in a couple weeks enjoy your trip to what kentucky tennessee louisiana yeah i'm hitting the bible belt while you're doing that i'm gonna be in florida no big deal what are we gonna do report on debauchery yeah maybe when we're back we'll have interesting things to talk about that are outside of new york (laughs) i can't imagine that's possible all right amanda it was great hanging um thank you so much to all for listening and go check out eater's other products because they're all great oh yeah really great also quick tease we are going to be launching a podcast in this feed next month called Wait, I didn't I didn't know that. <laughs> Land of the Giants Delivery Wars. It is an examination of the delivery space over four episodes. So mm-hmm. it is going to be a blast. And it is ready. hosted by Elon Musk. <laughs>